Let me describe for you this morning what I'll call a typical day for many Americans. Um, your alarm goes off and you hit the snooze button at least six times before you finally get up. Uh, you're still going to be on time for work, but that promise you made to yourself to go to the gym before you went there is now gone because the time window has closed there. So you start the day with a good intention and tell yourself, I'll just go to the gym after work. That'll be fine. I can still get that in. And so you have your commute to your job and somehow nine to five passes without you really registering the passage of time at all because you're just doing the same thing over and over uh, and you didn't even get your lunch break today because there's a deadline because there's always a deadline and so you just kept on working and you get in your car to go home and you're home before you realize you didn't divert yourself to the gym to keep that promise to yourself and you think, that's fine, I'll just do it in the morning. I'll get there. Uh, and then it's dinner time, but cooking sounds like a monumental task and you are not Bobby Flay, so it's another evening of takeout and then eventually a retirement to the couch where all you can manage to muster up is binge-watching The Good Place all four seasons with a beer and a bowl of goldfish crackers until it's time to sleep again. Now, some of you are listening to this and thinking, John, those are very specific examples. Are you okay? And the answer is yes, I'm fine. And some of you are listening to that and thinking, well, it's actually only Murders in the Building and Fig Newtons, but other than that, to some degree, yeah, that sounds pretty close to most of my days. I tend to generalize when I preach because it's easy to talk about us instead of me, but in this case, I'm pretty confident in ascribing that sense of being to people on a pretty wide basis because the folks who study sociology and demographics and look at the statistics of human life have, have run the numbers. Less than half of working Americans would say that they feel fulfilled by the work that they do that they don't feel a deep sense of purpose. And about two or a third of Americans can claim that they have no friends or maybe one. And so we start to feel a malaise, a disconnect a dissatisfaction with life. And yeah, we, we engage in activities to try to mask ourselves away from the pain that that causes for us. We binge watch comforting television and we, we eat our feelings and things like that. And the last few years in the pandemic has only exacerbated that sense of isolation amongst us because it's hard to connect over a screen. 
It's, it's a different sense of connection. It's not quite the same. I've had this weird experience the last few months where I'm finally meeting in person uh, people who I've only ever known over Zoom. And it's a surreal experience because it doesn't feel quite right. I have an image of you that is dictated by the screen. Everybody's six feet tall on Zoom to me. And then I'm very, very disconcerted when they're my height. Completely shattering the picture. It, it takes some getting used to. We've really skewed our sense of connection. What people desire more than anything, and again, this is going back to the sociologists and the numbers people, is a sense of meaning and purpose in their life. And the daily grind, the rat race culture that we're also ingrained in in this country leads to this sense among people where they, only about a quarter of Americans can say with any confidence that they truly feel some sense of purpose in life. And a couple of years ago, a survey revealed that 90% of working Americans would happily take a pay cut if they could do something that gave them more meaning. <laughs> we are looking for meaningful connections with one another. We're looking to do something with meaning. Maybe we're looking to do something with meaning that isn't even necessarily connected to what we do for our money. And I preface all of this this morning to give you the heart of the message today, which is you are not alone. As isolated as you might feel in all of that lack of meaning and purpose in the drudgery of the rat race culture, you are not alone. We're all going through it. We've all been through it in some form or another. You are not alone in your sense of disconnection from others and from the world. You are not alone in this deep need you are feeling to belong to something. Even if that something is just yourself, to get to a belonging to your own self and then to others. We need somewhere, someplace, some time in our lives that lets us reclaim that sense of belonging and connection and meaning and purpose. And we don't get there by simply running the hamster wheel, running the rat course. We just keep running the corners. We have no time to stop and think about what that meaning, what that purpose, what that sense of connection might actually be. So how we get there as a people, how we return to the sense of belonging to ourselves and to others, of having some kind of meaning, of doing something that matters in the world, how we get there is finding a way to hit the pause button and all of that. Some days, don't we wish we had a remote control for life to just go, Nyeh. let's take a break here. Let's fast forward through this guy trying to sell me timeshares. 
We need, at some point, every day, every week, what I like to call the time out of time, the liminal space, the thing that is a break from the other things. And we need a place that feels safe to just be, not just to be the job person or the home person or the friend person or the family person, but a space to be all of who you are, a space to find out all of those things that you are and how they work together. And that space needs to be in a nice wide circle where we can follow others' examples as they're doing the same thing. And we need a place and a time where we can confidently get it all wrong. Because those are the three main aspects of the rat race culture. Punctuality, production, perfection. And the only way we get back to meaning and control is to break those habits even just for a little bit. Now, the good news is these places exist. And sometimes we know they exist, but we're just kind of dipping a toe in or feeling our way in, or we think maybe, oh, we're not going to belong, and we pre-disconnect ourselves from something that might give us connection. Sometimes we're just waiting for an invitation in, for someone to tell us it's okay to come in and take the break and find yourself. So let me tell you this morning you're invited. The invitation is open. You are invited. This is the space we are trying to build here in a Unitarian Universalist community. Whoever you are, whomever you love, wherever you're on your life's journey, you are welcome here without any litmus test to tell you if you belong or not. So many communities put the restrictions of the perfect member of us. Do you have the right level of education? Do you make enough money? Do you love the right kind of people? Do you believe the right kind of things? Who cares? We're all different in all of those aspects, so we might as well all get together in a community where we can do that. We have no barriers to the inclusion here other than the question, do you want to live into reality the principles we share together, our shared values? That's it. That is all we're asking for. And because we're not putting any barriers up, because of this, all of who you are, every aspect of yourself is welcome into this community. All the various selves that we put on and take off and bring to the forefront and hide in the background, depending on the situation that we're in, all of that is welcome. 
because we don't concern ourselves here with who we want you to be. All we are concerned with is who you are and who you are becoming with us. Because it's human wholeness that makes a real difference in this world. Not human rightness. Rightness is a myth. And we can do this thing, concern ourselves with being people and not products, because time moves differently here. Physicists, you can talk to me about this afterwards in coffee hour. Time moves differently here. When we gather in a room together, when we sing together, when we breathe in tandem with one another through that singing, when the stress to produce and be perfect is removed from the equation, even this one hour can become enough time to visit with who you are and who you are with us and who you can be in the world. We pull ourselves off the rat racetrack. We have time to focus on ourselves and our connections. No quotas placed on us, no deadlines other than getting out in time for coffee hour. No agenda other than to, as our great theologian, the late A. Powell Davies had said, use our lives to grow a soul. That's it. We repeat a lot of words in common every single Sunday here. The affirmation we all speak together towards the beginning of the service. My calling into being of the time out of time at prayer time. Whoever you are, wherever you are in your life's journey and the welcome. My benediction at the end of the service. We do this to speak our ideals and our hope for our community and what we hope to build into reality, to remind ourselves of what it is we're trying to be together in this space. And we speak it again and again to renew and refresh and reset that calling into existence of that beloved community. Because humans being human, we're going to screw it up weekly. the culture of perfection becomes a barrier to us to be okay with making those mistakes, with being imperfect. And so week to week we speak the words again so that in the words of the recently departed Rob Eller Isaacs, we forgive ourselves and one another in those moments and begin again in love every week. And this is the definition of grace.
of being able to come back again and again, to return to the ideal and try to live into it. Because we acknowledge we're imperfect. And we have things to learn from the imperfection. This is the last piece of the puzzle in building that different way in a community because grace is incredibly lacking as a quality in our society today. We're ready to call people out, cast people out, cut them off for even the minor infractions of life against how we prefer things to be or how we wish other people were. That's that perfectionism again. But as soon as we can understand that mistakes are baked into the system because we are fallible people, we have a chance to live differently. Perfection is impossible. The Irish playwright Samuel Beckett is quoted in one of his writings saying this, try again, fail again, no matter. Try again, fail again, fail better. And if there was an unofficial motto I could put onto how we approach grace or how we should approach grace, I think fail better is a pretty good one. So we're accepting our fallibility and we're accepting that we're going to fail from time to time and we know that we want to fail better each time, then why not make mistakes with joy? Or as I tell my improv students, screw up with some gusto, folks. Fail with joy and with gratitude for the lessons we're going to learn in the failure. Because our fallibility is one part of our whole human cells, too. Those of you who've been coming a while, you've heard all these messages from me before. This is probably the one sermon right now. And I preach it because of this. I was the rat race guy. I was the corporate drone, finding no meaning in what I was doing, and I was feeling split into 20 different people. Company man, family man, friend man, hobby man, chore man. And everything else in society wanted me to pick and choose, just pick one and be it. And that way of living, I'm going to be honest, almost destroyed me. And at the time, I thought I had left church forever. I was never going back. And then somehow we stumbled our way into the Unitarian Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And all of a sudden, I found all those things that I'm talking about here this morning, an unconditional welcome, connections with people on a level I hadn't had with others before, a pace during the day that let me back off of all those demands and just be all of who I was. That's a life-saving thing alone, all in itself. And I found the space to explore all of who I was and who I was becoming, and the grace to be imperfect in the work.
Unitarian Universalism was a lifesaver for me. Not saving my soul, saving my ass. Everything about me. And it can be the same for so many more people, especially if we can invite them in with that unconditional welcome. In a little while, I'm going to give the benediction. We're going to go about the rest of our weeks, and we're going to spend some time trying to cope with everything that happens in that time. We're going to get on the hamster wheel. It's what we're trained to do. But while you're on that wheel, when it all seems hopeless, when you feel like you're going to fall apart, when you feel like you are completely disconnected from others and the entire world, remember the voice of Tiny the God today. You are not alone. I am here. You are not alone. We are here. Just whisper that to one another for a second. Turn to your partners in your rows here. We are not, you are not alone. We are here. We are here. So when you're feeling isolated and the walls are closing in and the light in your soul feels like it's starting to dim, listen to that voice. Because that voice is part of you too. You are not alone. We are here. And you, all of who you are, is welcome. I love you. Maybe so. <laughs>